of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Thank you for joining me and listening to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. It is good to be here discussing matters of worship, theology, and culture. And as I mentioned last week, um, I'm going to be talking about a lot of worship-related issues um, over the next few weeks. And in fact, next week, starting a series on the five neglected essentials of corporate worship, and so hopefully you'll join me in that. That could turn into a short book, actually. (laughs) Um, I'm already thinking about that. Um, But today I want to talk about an issue that recently came to my attention, and I've thought about before, and probably many of you have thought about this before, but uh, is it okay to use secular music in corporate worship? Um, A few years ago, a prominent church in the United States uh, came under controversy for beginning their weekly worship gatherings with a a secular song. And the scrutiny was not so much because the song was secular, uh, but because of its questionable lyrics, which include, Baby, You Turn Me On. Uh, Those were lyrics in the song, and that was how they opened their their worship service. It was a prominent church, prominent pastor, um... And personally, I think rightfully so, there was a lot of scrutiny. Like many of you growing up, it it became clear to me that secular music absolutely should not be used in the context of corporate worship, or at least that's what I thought growing up. I have laxed on that stance since then for various reasons, but I draw the line at God's glory. What I mean by that is we should always remember that All we do is for the glory of God, and a corporate worship gathering is designed specifically to worship God. It is not designed for the purpose of having fun or reaching the lost, even. And I'll get into that in a little bit, but it is designed for God's people to worship Him. And so with that said, it's certainly possible to glorify God and to listen to or perform secular music. I have done so, and I still do so. And I will not stop listening to secular music. And some of you are already thinking there's no such thing as secular and sacred music. I will get into that, because yes, there is. So um, I want to focus on the music that we utilize in our corporate worship gatherings, though. So I'm not talking about what you listen to on a daily basis in your car, what you perform outside of the church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the music used in corporate worship gatherings. So is it okay to use secular music in corporate worship? The underpinning question, I, I think, is this. For whose glory is worship designed? I think that's the real question we should be asking. Throughout church history, um, there's existed a fine line between the use of secular and solely sacred elements in music. Um, For example, uh, secular tunes were often parodied and set in corporate worship contexts in the Reformation and post-Reformation eras. In fact, many hymns in our various denominational hymnals employ tunes that were once considered uh, secular. In other words, they were not written solely for the purpose of worship. 
Many congregants probably don't know that now because the tombs have been familiarized in sacred worship for so long. The church shares a rich history of employing secular mediums in worship. Uh, one of my podcasts recently um, was on art in worship, and it dis- I discussed the fact that there is no sacred or secular divide according to God's intent except what humanity has created. In other words, God created music and art for His glory, so any art form that does not glorify Him has been distorted. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more, but how do we as worship leaders approach the use of secular music in corporate worship? Is it okay? Is it not okay? I want to answer these questions as best as possible uh, by discussing three unique aspects to this conversation. And so thinking through these imperatives will help us determine what is okay to use in corporate worship. So, first of all, using music from outside ecclesiastical context is not new. I've already mentioned this, but using music from outside sacred context uh, was common in the Reformation. And even prior to the Reformation, composers would parody and paraphrase other composers' music. In fact, Renaissance composers often set entire mass ordinary texts to unoriginal music, not written by them. In the Reformation area, in the Reformation period, this this trend continued, and and composers would set hymn texts not only to original hymn tunes, but also to secular tunes that would have been familiar uh, to the public. Um. Martin Luther was known for doing this, and I have often heard people argue, well, the Reformers used bar tunes, and and what they mean by that is music played in bars. Uh, This is a misunderstanding and even a mistranslation of the word, the term bar tunes. What's meant by bar tunes is that um, this is a metrical uh, hymn. Metrical hymnody began to appear around this time, around the time of the Reformation, and metered music um, began to see bars, bar lines, measure lines, in other words, in the music. And so people would often refer to these tunes as bar tunes. It does not necessarily mean that the tunes were known primarily for being used in bars, although some of them certainly could have been. But the reformers employed these uh, secular tunes. But here's the the key. They did not employ secular texts. Not one time in any of the liturgies I have seen and read of Reformation-era music and prior to that do I ever see secular text employed in worship services. And so if, if someone chooses to use the Reformation as a model for worship, it cannot be argued that secular texts were the norm. They most certainly were not. And like I said, in fact, I have yet to see an example of that happening. Even the famed Lutheran composer Bach declared this. He said, all music should have no other end and aim than the glory of God and the soul's refreshment. Where this is not remembered, there is no real music, but only a devilish hubbub. (laughs) This is Bach, one of the greatest composers to ever live. I believe that there is a God-ordained reason that only the texts of the Psalms remain rather than 
the the music also. Uh, think about it. We have the Psalms. We have the biblical Psalms. We do not have the music, but just the text. We don't know what Israel was singing. We just know the text that they were singing. And the text is derived from God's holy word. The music is not. The music can vary. Stylistically, you can have a plurality of styles that honor God. So if someone were to ask me if employing secular music is okay, I would respond with a twofold answer. Yes, music is okay. Nevertheless, worship leaders should be careful not to use text that does not point people to Jesus. That is the entire point of worship. We are worshiping triune God in our corporate worship gatherings. Are you telling me we can't give an hour or two each week to get rid of anything else that that does something other than point people to Jesus? Every single aspect of corporate worship should point to the glory of triune God. So if tunes are okay, that would be my answer, what about the text? Uh, the gap exists, I think, not between sacred and secular music, but rather between sacred and secular texts. As I've already mentioned, God's intent for all art forms is not a sacred and secular divide, but humanity has distorted what was created to be good. So practically, there absolutely is a sacred and secular divide. People can argue all they want that there is not, and God's intent was for it to glorify him, but because of fallen mankind, there absolutely is a sacred and secular divide. To say that there is not is not practical. So I don't buy the argument that we live in a utopian society where absolute righteousness exists among humanity. The only absolute righteousness right now is Jesus Christ, and any good that comes from us is only through him. In fact, Scripture is clear that we are evil by nature. That is not a popular thing to say today. Most people think, well, most humans are good by nature. False. Absolutely 100% wrong. We are all evil by nature. So while music does not necessarily suggest a message, theology, or thought, text certainly does. And yes, the text is part of the music, but while the musical elements other than text do not suggest these concepts, the text itself does. Not all secular texts are morally bad, and in fact, there are many that can be used to glorify God. Um, but some are. There are obvious texts, and you could think of them off the top of your head, that very clearly, in no way, honor God, such as, baby, you turn me on. That's not something you need to be singing in a corporate worship setting. And we need to be careful as worship leaders and think about the music that we used in our worship settings. If the sole purpose of worship is the glory of God, why would we ever have a desire to use anything that declares something else? I don't mean, again, that you cannot glorify God by listening to or performing secular music, including text. You can. You can glorify God in your daily life by listening to secular music. Um... Uh, be careful on that end, too. There is obviously text and music that is not God-honoring, but 
there is also secular text that may have nothing to do with God. It may be just a fun song. It's okay. There's nothing morally wrong with it. Yet in corporate worship, there are absolutely elements that never belong because it does not point solely to the glory of God. Um, I'll give you an example. There are um, some country songs that, uh, uh, or, or rock songs you can think of that, that when you're thinking through the lyrics, um, there's nothing wrong with them. They're okay. I was listening to an Alter Bridge album the other day. I like rock music. I was listening to Alter Bridge. And um, one of the songs, it was a very good song. Nothing immoral about it. Nothing bad about it. Very good song. But the song itself was not pointed to the glory of triune God. That is something that does not belong in corporate worship. I would even argue that patriotic elements do not belong in weekly worship gatherings of the local church. That's another issue, but I would argue that as well. We need to be pointed directly to the glory of God. Secular texts that don't point directly to the glory of God do not belong in corporate worship. I would also say that it should be apparent that songs which go blatantly against God's character don't belong in corporate worship. So songs are talking about sex, drugs, those, those types of things. Uh, that should be a given. They probably shouldn't even belong in our own personal lives, but certainly not in corporate worship. But sadly, uh, this seems to be not as apparent as it should be. As worship leaders, we need to be careful, more careful, I would say, with text than with the musical elements. Here's another thought I have, and and really the... um, um, the last thought I have on this issue. And this is um, something that a lot of people don't like to hear, but I've said it often. Worship is not for the lost. Uh, Some of you are going, what? What do you mean worship's not for the lost? Some of you uh, aren't saying that, and you completely agree. But um, this resonates throughout my theology, belief, and teaching. It is not designed for lost people. It may seem like a harsh statement, but a lost person has no capability whatsoever to worship God. Scripture is clear that those who are lost are dead in their sin, Ephesians 2.1. And we were all once there. Those of us who are believers, there was a point where we too were dead in our sin. And so I don't intend to veer off course here, but, but we... Should we even spend our time inviting lost people to our worship gatherings? Notice I did not say church because the church is the people of God, not a place we go. I'm not saying invite people to church. In fact, I try not to refer to church as a place. That's not what it is. But should we be inviting lost people to our worship gatherings? Um, I'm not saying it's wrong, but perhaps we should not do it as much as we do. I don't mean never do it. The purpose of corporate worship, though, is not reaching the lost. Hear me on that. The purpose of corporate worship is not to reach the lost. In fact, that is not even the governing purpose of the church. The governing purpose of the church is worship. It is glorifying God. And one of the ways we do that is by our commission given by Jesus Christ to reach the lost. But that is not the governing purpose. 
There are certainly evangelistic aspects to worship, and when the Holy Spirit's power is present in worship, lost people come to know Christ. The problem, however, is that many Christians treat worship as primarily a time to reach people, and that's not what it is. In Deuteronomy 32, 16-17, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, um, built an idol. And they worshipped idols. And the Bible says that God was provoked to anger and jealousy when his own people worshipped other gods. And he's still provoked to anger and jealousy today when that happens. The Apostle Paul warns the Corinthians not not to participate in pagan actions, which is participation with demons. And this context that Paul is talking about deals specifically with, with food. Not to assume that non-believers consciously worship demons, okay? (laughs) I'm not saying that every lost person is out there setting up statues to Satan and to demons. But I've heard it put this way. Everyone either worships God or Satan. What I mean by that, Satan, the God of this world, as referred to in 2 Corinthians 4.4. Everyone worships someone or something. God or Satan. There's nothing in between. And so um, some people may not realize it. Some people may say, well, I worship nothing, but they do. Um, It's God or Satan. So if it's nothing, it realistically is Satan. If it is uh, money, if it is sports, whatever it may be, it's Satan. These are tools that Satan has used to receive his own glory. And so even those who think that they worship perhaps another god, such as Buddha or Allah, uh, realistically they worship Satan unknowingly, and thus they participate with the worship of demons. Satan is, is good at disguising himself as other deities and other objects in our lives. And it's usually unknowing, yet when we invite a lost person into our midst for corporate worship, Think about this. Because such a person is totally and radically depraved, apart from Christ, 100% dead in their sin, no figure of speech, we are inviting a worshiper of Satan into our midst. That might put it in a different perspective for people. And yes, God's power is greater. But we should be careful not to approach corporate worship as primarily a time to reach the lost A lost person has no capability whatsoever to worship triune God. Worship is designed for God's people. We are not told, bring the world to us. We are told to go to the world. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, we are told to go to the lost rather than to bring them to us. And that's our job. That's not the pastor's job. That is our job as believers, and we have to be mindful of these truths of our faith. So my thoughts here, um, getting back to what I was talking about, are related to the music that we sing in corporate worship. Because when we realize that worship is for the sole purpose of glorifying God, we no longer begin designing our services to reach people, but rather to give God a fraction of the worship He deserves. Through every endeavor, including music. And so we should ask, if we're using secular music to reach people, are we designing our worship services for worship or for evangelism? 
There is a place for evangelism. There is a place for missions, but we are told to go. There is also a place for the church's weekly worship gathering. Surely we can give God an hour or two of solely devoted worship to him. And so to me, the answer is obvious. The sole purpose in that case for someone who is designing their services for uh, the lost, the sole purpose is not to worship God. It's another purpose. So we have to walk the line carefully. This is not an easy topic with which to deal. Likely many, or many people will consider me too rigid or strict. I can even hear the comparisons right now in my head between myself and the Pharisees, but that's not what's going on here. I'm trying to be as careful as possible in my call. It is a serious task. I listen to secular music myself and have no problem with doing so. And many other ordained ministers I know also do the same. In fact, um, to be honest, a lot of it is much better than the Christian music that is out there. In the context of corporate worship, though, which is not an ordinary moment, but a sacred moment set apart for God alone and His people, we need to think about what elements we use, including music, and in some ca- in con- some contexts, perhaps the use of a secular tune or even uh, text, work to illustrate a gospel concept. But we need to be sure that that's what it's really doing, that it's not just for us to have fun with. So, uh, worship leaders, let me challenge you to be careful when making those decisions, if you're involved in those decision-making processes. It's not the lives of lost souls at stake, okay? But it's the worship of God, which, hear me here, is far weightier. Uh, that may sound strange, but the worship is of God is a far heavier thing than the lives of lost souls. As we worship Him, we are then sent into the world where then we are called to go to preach the gospel. But for that time for our weekly worship gatherings, that is used solely for the purpose of worshiping God. It's okay to use secular music in corporate worship. I am really a both-and person rather than an either-or person. A lot of times people ask me questions, is it this or that? And more often than not, I'm a both-and person. And So in this case, I would say it's both. Uh, I can't give you a yes or no one way or the other. There's a lot of factors to think about. Um, We just need to make sure that our worship services are pointed directly to the glory of God. We need to be careful because the worship of God from his people should not be compromised ever. And This is a high calling. This is what we are called to do. Let's do it as best as possible. Thank you for listening to me on the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Did it, did it, did it, did it.